Lazy Person's Book Club presents... You can blame it on the season, blame it on the weather, all blame it for no reason, on a feather... Blame it on Hoboken! It's the funny, music-fueled, modern love story with a touch of mystery set in Frank Sinatra's hometown. You can blame it on the game, blame it on the Today's episode, The Storm, brought to you by... Keep your head and your heart while keeping your job. Read Eric Isle's Change Management Log. Eric Isle is a change management expert who can help you keep your head and your heart while keeping your job. Find out more at ericisle.com. That's E-R-Y-C-E-Y-L.com. The magic kicks off Saturday night when your ferry pulls in from Brooklyn Heights. The gang planks down, the love bug bites. Previously on Blame It on Hoboken, New York City tour guide Carolyn Cates has been using Euclid's proof of perfect numbers to find true love on a deadline. She's hired a pushy matchmaker she meets in a Hoboken Sinatra impersonators club called the Friends of Frank. His name is Jimmy Foss, and only she can see him. But when Jimmy introduces Carolyn to Ned Allen, a heartbroken customer furniture salesman, she begins to take the five steps to love under Jimmy's direction, and things have actually worked out. It's the morning of Carolyn's 32nd birthday, and it's also her wedding day. We join her after she's had a long sleep featuring a dream in which she's sailing a ship home to New York City on a stormy sea. Well, well, isn't this wonderful? Carolyn awoke on her wedding day to the sound of her mother's voice making breakfast plans. That wasn't that unusual. But the second thing she heard was the whir of a chainsaw, and that was truly strange. She padded across the floor and opened the curtains of her bedroom window, which looked out on the street. Her mind was still focused on the dream she'd had the night before about sailing a ship and how good it had felt to be the captain. But then her eyes took in the scene downstairs. When she'd gone to bed at midnight, cars had been parked along both sides of the street below her window, and the trees had been covered in leaves. Now the cars were covered in leaves, and the street was full of wet tree limbs. The next thing Carolyn heard was little Hans in the kitchen. Last night's storm was quite strong, but the sun is shining now, and that is quite nice, I think. And I didn't order a storm, Carolyn thought as she reached for her bathrobe. Her brain was reluctant to leave that captain of the ship mode in her dream. Luckily, Aggie was on her way to give the bride-to-be a much-needed wake-up call as Carolyn took her official bridal shower in the bathroom. You need me help in there? Because I don't mean to rush you, but your driver's on his way. She's in the shower. Can you wait a second? No problem. Well, actually, it is a problem because, as you see, half of the street is closed and my meter is running, but I say it's not in the name of politeness. I like that driver's honesty. It's refreshingly practical. Carolyn heard her old math teacher, Ms. Chupesky, tell her new boyfriend, Little Hans. Don't you think? I think you're wonderful. That's very nice of you to say, but it is technically irrelevant. I know. Excuse me, please, but did someone sigh a miracle sigh up there? It is a little challenging to hear over the uh, sawing. 
but I am fairly sure this is what I just heard. That was a miracle sigh for sure. Carolyn emerged from the bathroom and grabbed Aggie's hand. See you at the altar, her father said, kissing her cheek. Where's mom? Carolyn glanced around her apartment. Do not worry, Caroline. Little Hans reassured Carolyn. Yes, her mother was lost, but they felt sure they'd find her by the wedding. And so Carolyn and Aggie made their way to her bridal chariot, Katan Tatan's taxi. My miracle sire, right this way. Time is fleeting and the traffic police have asked me to get a move on, Mac, twice already. It was a short drive to Reverend Evans's church, even in these unexpected times and conditions. Reverend Evans met Carolyn and Aggie at the curb and led them to a small side door of the church. What a day! Right this way. Oh, there's nothing I love more than a wedding. A good philosophical debate comes close, but a wedding? Oh my. And for one of my favorite thinkers, no less. What a day. Carolyn thanked the Rev with a smile. There was no chance of getting a word in. This is the oldest part of the building. If this were a different day, I would take you on an ecclesiastical tour of the rectory. Oh, but this isn't a different day. This is a glorious two-day. And now here we are, the bride's dressing room, if you please. Reverend Evans waved Aggie and Carolyn into a little room on the right side of the hallway. The door was engraved with Enid Hobbs' signature symbol, a heart framed by three arrows. This door was the architect's wedding gift to the church. For years, it was a gift whose promise was unfulfilled. But today, what can I say? Reverend Evans's eyes filled with tears. Carolyn's eyes grew misty at the sight of him. I'm growing extremely sentimental in my old age. What a wonderful thing. A loud sniffle, bordering on a snort, interrupted the Rev's reverie. Sorry, guys. All these fallen trees. It's like pollen city around here. My sinuses are going crazy. Well, I'm sure you ladies have a lot to do, so I'll be on my way now. This was Carolyn and Aggie's first time as a maid of honor and a bride, and it showed. So, here we are. Aggie tried to elegantly toss the garment bag with her maid of honor dress in it on a wooden bench by the window. But the stiff plastic of the bag made an uncomfortable, crunchy sound as it landed, something between bacon sizzling on an old radio show and a potato chip crunching in real life. Carolyn regarded herself in the mirror of the dressing room. I suppose I should do my face. It was a very old mirror, and one of its favorite hobbies was making people look like antique portraits of themselves. The subtle lines around her mouth looked much deeper. Her skin looked grayer, and her eyes much wider. On second thought, I think I look pretty good naturally undone. Yeah, natural's always better, if you ask me. Aggie pulled her bridesmaid's dress from its carapace. The shape was simple, short-sleeved, round-necked, and knee-length. The color was even simpler, somewhere between putty and grass green and gray. Isn't this beautiful? What is this fabric? Whatever it is, I want everything I wear from now on to be made out of it. Or even better, I think I'll just wear this dress forever. What do you think? Carolyn pulled her dress over her head. It was a paler version of the bridesmaid's dress, a little shorter in the sleeve, a little lower in the neck, and a little longer, all of which made it that much more beautiful for her in the simplest possible way. Wow! Yes, definitely. 
I agree. This is the most beautiful and the most comfortable thing I've ever worn. Not to mention the best fitting. Who says a wedding dress is a one-day piece of clothing? Not me. I'll wear mine every day if you wear yours. Oh. What is it? Do I have emergency omelet in my teeth? Did I tuck the back of the skirt of my dress into my underwear? I did that once in the bathroom of a fancy restaurant. It's an adventure I'd like to forget. Carolyn Cates, you are the world's most perfect bride. And I say that with complete and utter lack of objectivity. Ladies. Carolyn turned around and took one last look at herself in the mirror. Doubt is overrated, she told herself. And with that thought in mind, she followed Aggie out the door of the bride's dressing room toward the little churchyard where her wedding awaited. We conclude this episode of Sharon Glassman's Novel with Songs, Blame It on Hoboken, available at SharonGlassmanLive.com. Today's episode features, in alphabetical order, Connor Magyar as the announcer, Nina Raleigh as Aggie, Ms. Chipesky and Caro's mom, Eric Isle as Reverend Evans and Caro's dad, Andre Schramek as Little Hans, and Sharon Glassman as Carolyn and the narrator. The songs of Blame It on Hoboken are written by Sharon Glassman and produced by Eric Turin. Join us next week, same time, same location, for another music-filled episode of Blame It on Hoboken. Blame It on Hoboken comes to you from Studio 2B or Not 2B in Longmont, Colorado, and is syndicated on the Longmont Compass.